0: Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, Leslie tells us about her recent trip to Walt Disney World and the new things that she got to experience there. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. We're also on YouTube now, so if you could like and subscribe us there, we'd really appreciate it. You can support the podcast by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where they receive bonus content, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Email Chung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, DisneyDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies.
1: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes,
0: and welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So, as promised, we are going to get to the Disney World portion of your trip report, Leslie. And as we normally do with these trip reports. You know we don't like to go through a blow by blow because that would be like two hours long way too long for episodes especially since you were there for four nights but let's get started the way we normally start tell us a little bit about uh, where you were staying how long you were there and then of course as a reminder you were there on a getaway today fam trip so uh you know it was sponsored by them or a way to get to know the parks better so yes tell us the basics of your trip leslie
1: Exactly. All right. Thank you for getting that disclosure out of the way. So yes, I was in Orlando for six nights and we've already talked about the first two nights were at Universal and then we headed over to Disney for the last four nights. I had to leave the trip, unfortunately, a day early. So I missed the last park day, which was Animal Kingdom. So, you know, I guess I'm on record that that's my least favorite park. So it it worked out, but was a little bit bummed not to get to uh, finish out the trip. On, at Animal Kingdom, and and then at Do Review, which is, is my favorite, don't, I was I was bummed to miss Hoop-Dee-Doo Review. Don't, How about that?
0: Don't okay, fine, yes, but don't lie about <laughs> Animal Kingdom, Leslie. We you know your opinions on the park are well documented on this podcast. But sorry, I, I, you I, was, bummed to
1: mi- <laughs> I was bummed to miss Flight of Passage and Do Review. How about that? Okay, the the plan was we stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge, which you and I have stayed at before. I think you were on that trip, Joe. Is that right or no?
0: Nope, you're right. I was there.
1: Okay. All right. So stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge, and this time I had a Savannah view, which was lovely. I did not have that last time, so it was very relaxing to look out um, on the balcony and see the animals right there. Um, And we actually were very lucky. We ended up with a room that was close to the lobby, because I know some of those corridors can be very, very meandering. But stayed there, uh, checked in, and then we had... um, dinner at Boma the first night. And then the next three days were all park days. So we'll kind of talk about different things in in each of the parks. But uh, I, I really love Animal Kingdom Lodge. You know, it's just far. That's the negative about about that hotel.
0: Definitely. I feel the same way. For me, it's like if I'm staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge, I want that to be a trip where I'm spending more time at the resort and enjoying it there, maybe long afternoons. Maybe it's like better in the summer when you know, you're know you not out in the weather, although you can't enjoy it. Well, like we said in the Kilimanjaro Safaris episodes, if you have a safari view, a savannah view, the animals don't care when it's raining. So maybe you could still enjoy that. So you mentioned Boma. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to just talk a little bit about your experiences and more the new experiences that you had. But since we are on Animal Kingdom Lodge, why don't you talk about your impressions? You haven't been there for five or six years as a resort as a deluxe resort and the cheapest deluxe resort because of what we mentioned that it's so far away you know how do you feel like that is looking for our families these days how do you feel about your room and you had mentioned on message to me that the rooms had been renovated which i think is something that i had not uh clocked myself
1: yeah i'm not sure when they were renovated but it was several years ago it might have been actually just before the pandemic so it wasn't something that was done very very recently but renovated since you and i last stayed there and i really liked The design, it was much richer. It felt more luxurious. I mean, before like Disney deluxe hotels, sometimes they feel like, okay, we're, we're trying to imitate luxuriousness, but the the fit and finishes aren't really luxurious. They sometimes feel dated very quickly. And I, I felt like these were a little bit more timeless, a little bit higher end. I loved how they added pocket doors to close off the sink area to, um, the room so that's really important for families i talk about that a lot i think having part of the bathroom open to the main part of the room can be really disruptive if you have a sleeping baby or toddler so i like that i stayed in a two queen room this time last time i was in a bunk room so i haven't seen what those look like but but i liked the design it definitely felt nicer one thing to note i do think like a lot of the disney hotels they they have moved towards the showers And my room did have a shower, but I'm not sure if the bunk rooms perhaps have tubs or something like that. So something to keep in mind. The hotel itself is gorgeous. The negative, like I said, is the location. So if you're somebody who always comes back to a hotel and has an afternoon break, I think the location could be a really, really big negative. I mean, we talked about how convenient Caribbean Beach was for me this summer with my son, because we took a break every afternoon because of the heat of the day and you know his age. And we could do that easily because we were on the Skyliner. So we could hop back to Hollywood Studios or Ep- Epcot with, with no effort for our second park of the day because of the location. And that's just not the case with Animal Kingdom Lodge. Like starting the morning in Magic Kingdom, going back to Animal Kingdom Lodge, and then going to Hollywood Studios, that's a lot of transit time.
0: And did Getaway Today have buses for you guys, or were you taking like Disney transportation and was that why you were finding it just so kind of inconvenient to go back and forth? Cause I know you did, and you had a very busy schedule, but there were some times you were hopping on your own. So, you know, what was your experience with that?
1: We took Disney transportation the entire time with our group. And when we met in the mornings at the bus stop at animal kingdom lodge, so we did experience that like normal guests. And I mean, we we did have free time on our own. And I mean, I know the transportation, so it was, you know, doable. but, But yeah, I never felt like, like, I didn't go back one of the days, even when I was tired at Epcot for an hour or two, because it would just, it was too much work. So instead, I just took it easy strolling around Epcot.
0: I hear that. Yeah, I mean, I love the Public spaces in Animal Kingdom Lodge, the decoration and the theming of the resort. And of course, the uh, lobby is amazing and grand. And, you know, you can walk out and take a little, you know, it's not a overlook and it's a little bit of a hideaway looking at the savannah. I, don't, I guess it's not a hideaway. The animals can see you. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of great things to see, um, which is why we often recommend making a dining reservation at Animal Kingdom Lodge because... They will no longer just let you roll up to the resort and park there and visit. But if you have a dining reservation, they'll let you in. And so this is a good transition to let, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the new dining experiences you had while you were at Walt Disney World. And so let's start with Boma, which is right there in Jumbo House Animal Kingdom Lodge, the main building
1: right there, just steps from the room that I was staying in. And I. Had a reservation at Boma years ago when my family was there with me and we ultimately canceled it. We thought it was just sort of too much food or didn't really work in the schedule or something like that. And of course, it's an expensive meal. So you kind of have to be careful about where you're spending your cash at Disney. But so I was was grateful to get to try it this time and with adults only and I mean, it lives up to its reputation. I thought the food was just fantastic. It's a buffet, but it's a high-end buffet with lots of choices. A lot of unique foods that maybe, you know, we as Americans haven't tried, but not so exotic as to be not appealing to, like, pickier palates. I'm not a super adventurous eater, but I tried pretty much everything that was on the buffet there and found a lot of dishes that were just you know twists on something that that we you know probably wouldn't have in our culture but that are just a little bit different a little bit different flavors so i enjoyed it immensely it's a ton of food i did of course check out the kids menu there's a whole section with about four chafing dishes full of kid friendly food there's the classic Disney mac and cheese, some chicken nuggets, a couple of other, like I think some peas and carrots or something like that. So they get their veggies. So it, there was enough there that my kids would have eaten. And there was certainly enough on the dessert buffet. <laughs> the dessert buffet is awesome. Um, the famous zebra domes um, are on the buffet there and chocolate chip cookies, things like that. So there was enough that my kids would have eaten there. I think I would eat there with them at this age. I probably wouldn't necessarily with like toddler maybe preschooler aged just because they'll eat like one chicken nugget and you'll pay a lot of money if they're three and up. So <laughs> I'd say more like grade school kids is where it's the right, the right fit.
0: And what time of the day did you go? Because I'm curious when Boma first reopened, people were so excited. I did hear that the buffet felt like super crowded and like people were bumping elbows and tables were too close together and it was too busy. Major caveat, we already established in your universal trip report, which uh, you can listen to the episode before this, that you were in Florida during a very low period of crowds. But, you know, what time did you go eat and how crowded did you feel at BOMA or like what was the ambiance like in the restaurant overall? Because buffets, they always scream loud to me, louder than most Yeah.
1: Yeah, we actually had a 5 p.m. reservation, which is right when the restaurant opened. So we were seated when it was, you know, mostly empty, quickly, quickly filled up. And yeah, it is a little bit chaotic. I mean, no more so than I thought any other buffet that I've sort of been to over the years. But I mean, yeah, you had to wait in a little bit of a line and, and time your returns to the buffet a little bit. But I didn't feel like it was... It took away from the ambiance, you know, based upon the number of people. But but perhaps if we had been there at, I don't know, 630, it might have been a little bit crazier. I don't know. It felt full to me. So I don't think there was any more tables to, to be filled.
0: Now, speaking of Loud, uh, you went to Whispering Canyon, which I had been to and we talked about in an old episode about... Uh, I can't remember. Do we call it Corny Dining? I'll look up the episode number while uh, you're talking. But I know you're really excited to go to Whispering Canyon. I'll set the stage since you're going to talk about your experience. Whispering Canyon is a restaurant that's at Wilderness Lodge, which you can get to either by driving, of course, or by taking a small boat shuttle from the Magic Kingdom. And their, I guess, claim to fame is not only is it very loud, but there's just a lot of Jokes and funny gimmicks um, going on. You know, the famous one that my kids loved, um, and I'll let you talk about some of the other ones, but what my kids loved was when you ask for ketchup, there is a table that will have a million bottles of ketchup, and someone will yell ketchup when you ask for it, and then that table will bring all the ketchup over to you, and then you become the table with the ketchup waiting to distribute all these bottles, you know, free advertisement for Heinz um, of ketchup to the next table. So it's a lot of fun. And I know you've been looking forward to going to this and you love corny stuff. Uh, Again, well-established, well-documented on Disney Decipher. So tell us about your experience at Whispering Canyon.
1: So we had a late lunch there with a big group, so two big tables, and I guess they had been tipped off that we were, you know, bloggers and influencers. So I, I think we probably got like the best waiter in the house, but he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, they just start out by giving you lip, you know, and you and you're difficult. You reor- you you know, you order another diet coke, and then the first person who did that at our table was one of the sons, a high school age son of one of the Getaway Today representatives, and. They brought him out a Diet Coke that was like this. It was like a little miniature uh, Diet Coke that was like a sip of soda. And then the next person who asked for a Coke got brought out a giant two liter <laughs> soda, you know, filled to the brim. And of course we got photos of them cheersing with each other with these, these, uh, giant and and tiny drinks. And so they just give you a lot of attitude. Then there's a part where everybody can get up and they have like stick horses and they have everybody take a pony ride around the restaurant, which is a lot of fun to, to music. And there's a guy in a giant 10 gallon hat, like the kind that people wear at football games. That's, uh, made of foam, not, <laughs> not of uh, real cowboy material. So just, just a lot of fun. It was surprising to me. It wasn't full and maybe it was because we had a late reservation. Maybe it was because it was low season. Cause I always think of that as a tough reservation to get, but, um, it was not full and perhaps it was weights. There wasn't a full weight staff. I mean, that, that still is, an issue I know for at a lot of places but we really enjoyed our food and the food was great I haven't mentioned the food the the, the signature items are these skillets and you can get a breakfast food skillet or kind of like a ribs and meat skillet and or you can order a la carte but we got the skillets and really enjoyed our breakfast Uh, Mickey waffles and eggs and hash browns and sausage and bacon and all of it it was delicious food and a great atmosphere I would go there Again and again and again, it's it's up on the list with Skipper Canteen for me.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And Leslie, to remind you, okay, we still are mainly an audio-only podcast. So when she said that the soda was this big, she had her fingers about uh, two two inches away from each other. Was going to do this a little bit later, but just good time to remind everyone that we are on YouTube now. So if you could like and subscribe to our new YouTube channel at Disney Deciphered, we'd really appreciate that. And also, of course, if you're booking a Disney vacation, you can work with me at no cost to you, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. And if you want to read about traveling with kids to theme parks and elsewhere, please check out Leslie on tripswithtykes.com. All right. One more restaurant to talk about. I just want to touch on this really quickly because we haven't been there. I haven't been there, actually, since I went with you for breakfast one day uh, when Toy Story Land opened. But you had lunch at Woody's Lunchbox. It's still a very popular destination for me personally. I'm not sure if it's because of the location or because of the food. So talk to us a little bit about your experience at Woody's Lunchbox, the quick service restaurant at Toy Story Land in Hollywood Studios.
1: Yes. I ate there, um, lunch on my own with, uh, three of the other attendees, my Disneyland with kids, ladies. We've mentioned that my Facebook group that I share with three other bloggers. So we had lunch there. We mobile ordered really early because that is a restaurant where you still do need to mobile order a little bit in advance or the slots will be gone. And, um, you know so that that worked out for us. We had an early lunch, and everybody got something different. I got the tachos again. Those are still delicious, and in fact, a little bit better than I remember them being um, opening weekend. But the thing that is so difficult about that restaurant is there is not enough seating. So what we did is someone went to pick up the mobile order. The rest of us stalked the seating area. And it's really hard. You can't get into the backside of the seating area. They actually have a cast member roping it off. So you have to sort of go through the line or the mobile order pickup to even physically access the seating area because I think people were, you know, using it for their picnics, et cetera, et cetera. But there's not enough seating there. And we, you know, we're helping people when we got up to leave to, you know, to notify them that, we had a seat available. So I do think the the table service restaurant coming to Toy Story Land is long overdue. I did get a peek at it. It still looks very under construction. I can't believe it, <laughs> but it is. It doesn't look close to done. So at least there are a lot of scrims up and things like that. But But yeah, it's just a popular restaurant, I think, because the theming is great. The location, there's really not anything else to eat within that immediate vicinity. It's a long walk to Galaxy's Edge. It's a long walk out out to the other parts of the park. So yeah, but still good, but just a lot of
0: work. People can't say no to tater tots and that's what makes things so crowded. Now, while we're in Hollywood Studios, let's get to some of your touring experiences. Um, We're not going to get to all of them, but did want to talk to you about Hollywood Studios. Uh, You rope dropped the park, if I'm not mistaken, but Your plan, and I think you had yourself pretty well set up lightning lane-wise, individual lightning lane-wise. You had all your ducks in a row, but um, Hollywood Studios went all Hollywood Studios on you. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about what went wrong at Hollywood Studios and, I guess, how did you deal with it? Because I think, unfortunately, I was telling a client the other day, you're going to make a good plan, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to use that plan. So talk to us about how things went wrong and how you guys adjusted for it.
1: Sure. So this was our first day in the parks and we had divided into two teams. So uh, one group was planning to rope drop Slinky Dog Dash and I think then uh, Genie Plus Tower of Terror and then the other group was doing the reverse rope dropping Tower of Terror and lightning laning, uh, slinky dog dash. So I was in that second group. So I actually was the person who got the lightning lane for slinky dog dash. And I will just reiterate right now, it is so, so important to use two phones because we had a big group and everything was sort of hanging on, you know, we were leaving the park at, I think one o'clock. So we had to get a quick return time for Slinky Dog Dash. And I said, you know what? Let me try to, because our Getaway Today rep was supposed to get it for us just for insurance. And then sure enough, her phone app crashed at the moment that she needed to get that lightning lane. And I, mine was working and I was able to snag it. So use two phones always.
0: Time out. Okay. Let's, let's be honest. (laughs) You didn't trust anyone else with this lightning lane. You were ready to go. (laughs) Okay. Like there's, there's no way that you'd be in a group like that. And you know, you're like, I'm the captain now. Okay. I'm going to get this lightning lane. So good on you for getting it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they go more often to Disney World than I do. So they're they're pretty experienced as well. And it just was... I mean, I was sitting on the bus. We were pulling away in a bus from Animal Kingdom when we had to make the selection. And it was like that transition between... Wi-Fi and uh, 5G coverage and hers dropped and mine didn't. So you got to be super, super careful about that. So, but yeah, you're right. I I, I don't want to cede control of this to anybody else. I want to be in the driver's seat, but, you know, bringing that stress upon myself. But anyway, we did get to Hollywood Studios. We were there in time for early entry. We had a plan. And interestingly, they did not open the gates at Hollywood Studios until five full minutes late. And that was really surprising to me because I've never seen a Disney park do that, you know, especially when you only have 30 minutes of early entry to, to rob everybody of five minutes to not start scanning people in. That was a negative. And I don't know what was happening that morning, but we lost five minutes. We started scanning in. We were probably within the first 20 people through the gates. I mean, we were very, very quick. And we started making a beeline to Tower of Terror and we see cast members blocking the road towards Tower of Terror and we said you know is Tower of Terror down and they said yes and Rock and Roller Coaster and we went oh my gosh both rides are down so we can't because the alternative would have been Rock and Roller Coaster to Rip Drop for our for our team so we thought okay it's Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. The other team, meanwhile, was headed back towards Slinky Dog Dash. They found out that that was down. So three of the most popular rope drop attractions were down to start the morning in Hollywood Studios. Slinky did open soon after. I went to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, enjoyed that. I think we were some of the very first people on the ride there, which was fantastic and I can't wait for it to open at Disneyland so looking forward to that but then after that was over we thought okay surely either Rock and Roller Coaster or Tower of Terror will be open any minute let's go down in that direction and that was when regular park guests got in so we were kind of then mixed in with them and if we had been in five minutes early we would have been ahead of them so you know that five minutes made all the difference between getting one attraction and two attractions. But but there was not a second attraction to be had because they both were still closed. So we waited and hung out for a little while, thinking surely one of these will open any minute. And after about 15 minutes, we saw the writing on the wall. We jumped ship. We headed over and rode Star Tours, which was great because a lot of these folks I was with were Disneyland people. So they don't have a Star Wars queue like they have at Hollywood Studios. So that was nice for them to get to see. And after that, then we finally we were headed to Muppet Vision 3D. I mean, that's this is where we were at nine o'clock in the morning. Your third, wow,
0: your, your third, third
1: attraction.
0: We oh, didn't end up gosh. doing
1: it. <laughs> we didn't end up doing it because finally we saw Tower of Terror, and uh, no, Rock and Roller Coaster was open at that point. So we made a beeline, and we wanted to ride Single Rider because at that point, so many guests coming in the front gates had headed there. And it was about a 20, 25 minute wait and we were like single rider and it was not open yet. So, and then of course, while we were in the queue, they opened single rider, of course. So it was, it was not ideal, but we did eventually make our way to Slinky, did manage to snag our next lightning lane for Tower of Terror. So we did get to ride that before we left the park. Like I said, sat down at Woody's for lunch and just sort of did some general touring and, you know, Checked everything out that was around Hollywood Studios. But it wasn't a super successful morning. We salvaged it because we knew, you know, what to do. But it would have been really, really hard for a first time guest to figure out the different pathways with three headliner attractions down. It was too much.
0: Yeah, that's brutal. I Did you happen to notice, was this one of the random days that Rise of the Resistance was actually open in the morning? Because maybe that salvaged it for some of the regular guests that were I, rope dropping.
1: I think it was, but it did go down in the mid-morning. <laughs> so, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, there you go. Of course go. it did.
0: Um, and then my last question is, when you checked in with the other group that rope dropped Slinky Dog and had originally gone to Lightning Lane, for Tower of Terror, do you know if that group ever managed to make it back to Slinky Dog since it wasn't open in the morning when they were playing Rope Drop it, or like, do you know where they went um, when they couldn't go to Slinky Dog for Rope Drop?
1: I think a lot of them ended up at Mickey and Minnie's, like we did. Um, I think they split up a little bit more quickly than we did because they had different. They had YouTubers in their group, so that you know requires a little bit more separation to record some things and and whatnot. And they also had somebody who had a kid on the trip, so that also was you know taking them away from the headliner attractions but yeah i mean some of them i know also weren't even necessarily disneyland regulars so a few of them wanted to check out galaxy's edge which my group did not because we've spent hours and hours in disneyland's galaxy's edge so i I think some of them did hop over to millennium falcon smugglers run and do single rider there which is a good strategy but but yeah you just kind of have to roll with it and um You know, Hollywood Studios, the cost of a ride going down is just so much higher there than it is in pretty much any other park. Because the reason you're going to Hollywood Studios, I think for most people, is to ride the thrill attractions.
0: Yeah, that's so frustrating. And another reason why even if you only get two Genie plus Lightning Lane reservations or maybe three in a day at Hollywood Studios, still sometimes it can save the day a little bit. I know it's an extra cost. It's, it's, again, one of those things where, you know, we say buy the individual Lightning Lane access to Rise of the Resistance just to give yourself insurance for a bad experience, bad situation. It really sucks that you have to pay to kind of ensure that your day doesn't get ruined. But, again, just a little reminder, if you have the budget, GD Plus can save a day at Hollywood Studios um, when things are going down. Uh, last quick question about Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Did you ride alien swirling saucers for my son, or did you just take that picture and send it to me for him?
1: <laughs> I just took the picture to taunt you. We almost did. We almost did. But um, that's how the group bad the was day with- was going. we were almost but the line was actually long for it it, mid-morning because of all of the breakdowns it was longer than it should have been with the crowd levels now hollywood studios the day we were there um touring plans had it as a crowd level seven day which i was surprised and i think that is because of the capacity you know of the attractions right now we did notice tower of terror still running only at half capacity so that does make the park feel more full i think um That was almost being resorted to, so you know what kind of morning (laughs) that we had. But I will say we did salvage the day, even though Hollywood Studios was a little bit of a bust. You know, we did get in the things we wanted to get in. We salvaged the day ultimately by we went the rest of the day to Magic Kingdom, and I stacked lightning lanes like a madwoman. Um, all afternoon because we were doing hotel tours in the early afternoon and i was just stacking for the evening in magic kingdom stacking 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 and by the time we got into uh, magic kingdom we had four lightning lanes lined up for the evening and then deluxe hours for deluxe resort guests the evening hours so that that truly salvaged the day we ended up riding a lot of attractions but just not at hollywood studios
0: i hear that uh one last note on hollywood studios it's crazy to me that Tower of Terror is still not running all the elevators and related. Uh, One of our patrons, Mo B, uh, was messaging us, was there just recently this week as we're recording this and said that Tower of Terror's lightning lane reservations actually ran out earlier than Slicky Dog Dash on the day that they were there. So that's pretty crazy. It was like about an hour beforehand. So, you know, these things, I don't know, Disney's really got to get these rides back running at a regular pace without so many uh, interruptions, but that's for another episode. All right, let's uh, hit Epcot before we get out of here. Two things to talk about. The first is you got to ride Guardians of the Galaxy and actually experience the ride without having to cover the eyes and ears of a scared child. So, talk to us a little bit about your virtual queue and individual Lightning Lane experience, and what did you think of the ride? Now that you got to you know do it with your eyes facing forward or facing in whatever direction they're spinning you in. All
1: right. So first of all, total props to you, Joe. He scored boarding group one for my group. Again, I wasn't trusting other people to get virtual queue. And that morning we were getting three things. We were getting virtual queue. We were getting paid lightning lane for cosmic rewind, and we were trying to book a genie plus for Remy's Ratatouille adventure. So it was just a lot of people. And I think it was important we were trying to get in everything before a late lunch, so I think it was important to have three people trying. So well done, Joe, for the boarding group, for the virtual queue for Cosmic Rewind, and then I was actually responsible for getting the paid lightning lane for that and was able to select um, an 11 a.m. time, which, you know, again, is a little bit dicey because people start snagging those early earlier reservations in the day, but was able to get the time that we wanted in the pre-lunch hour. So Cosmic Rewind, um, really just fantastic to do it for the second and third time to get to take everything in. Again, I have vertigo, so I was being sort of very careful as a rider, and the first time was very much watching the car in front of me and the track and not so much the screens around. The second time, you know, I didn't feel any motion sickness that first time, so the second time I did let myself kind of look around a little bit and try to take in some of the screens, but, but only very quickly, ultimately still coming back to the track and trying to center myself so that that's one thing I guess is a negative about the attraction is I don't feel like I still have fully seen everything that's on the screens it's going to take me a lot of time to ride it to see everything that's going on around but it is just such a fantastic coaster so smooth the turns are you know add to the thrill but but not so many like like the spinny kind of um Attractions that you'll find at a state fair that are just meant to make you vomit—like it's not that kind. It's like spinning with a purpose, and the queue itself was great. This was the first time I've gotten to walk through. I think the regular queue, or maybe I did. A, I did so so quickly that I no, I, mu- I must have used my. I must have used my. I can't remember my we, lightning. We lane individual last lightning
0: time. lane did last time. We so, did. Yeah, okay. You did. Okay. Okay. Did not go through the queue. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I got to see the actual queue when, when I rode the virtual queue. And it was um, really great. I mean, I, we were walking through f- pretty early in the day because of using that boarding group one. So we weren't able to stop because people <laughs> were racing onto the ride, but did get to see a little bit. But it's, it's Rise of the Resistance level in terms of its atmosphere and its story and really enjoyed that as well. But, yeah, two thumbs up to Cosmic Rewind. Highly repeatable. We'll be riding it again, although maybe not with my son. <laughs>
0: Uh, I will only be riding it with my son because uh, and daughter, I guess, because they both loved it. And I promised them that I will only go on with them. I don't think I need to go... I'm going to go on en- enough with them that I don't need to go without them. And it makes you actually wonder when it moves off virtual queue and it becomes a regular attraction, whether it might trend a little bit more towards Expedition Everest-type standby lines, especially later in the day, because I think people really love that traction but I don't know if that rewritability is there for everyone and you know once that the year is over and that initial kind of hype has died down it may be interesting to see that it's not as long of a line as you know some of the other coasters that are out there like a seven Dwarfs mine train which you know everyone can ride so people want to ride it as many times as they can uh, if they can. All right, last thing to talk about. At Epcot's right now, the Festival of the Arts is going on. It's running through mid-February. I think February 20th is the last day. I know that because I'll be in Walt Disney World at that time. I am like starting to wonder, Leslie, I'm going to be getting in on Saturday afternoon for the Travelmation retreat. Um, I'm going to be going for a couple days. And I originally planned to stack Hollywood Studios and then wander over to the Festival of the Arts. But now I'm like, Wondering if I want to just take it easy and chill and just enjoy the Festival of the Arts in general for like maybe three, four hours just for the whole entire night after I get there. Curious your experience with the Festival of the Arts. You know, how much time did you spend there and and what was your feel for what things are like at the Festival of the Arts this year? And I guess remind us what the Festival of the Arts is.
1: Sure. So it's one of the many food festivals at Epcot it's kind of the smallest of the, the festivals and the shortest and it celebrates everything artistic. A lot of local artists are there displaying their wares and there's some demonstrations. I mean, I will say I didn't do any of that. I just did the food side of things and the food is very pretty. I mean, that's sort of the the gimmick of the festival from the food perspective. A lot of things that are beautiful colors and, you know, like a cookie that looks like an artist palette with, um, you know, colored icing on top of it so things like that it's it's really quite pretty and this year the festival of the arts the mascot i guess of the festival is figment so it is very purple very 80s throwback the figment popcorn buckets were being fought over the first day that i was there for sure but i i i enjoyed it i really enjoyed the beacons of magic there's a new figment show on spaceship earth That is beautiful. So, definitely, we're seeing that. Just enjoyed sort of figment being everywhere. The food itself to me wasn't super memorable. I didn't have time to try necessarily as much as I would have if I'd been sort of there for like a full day, but I tried a pretty good sampling. I mean, at least a half dozen different food items, both sweet and savory, and nothing was super memorable. Nothing was bad, but nothing was super unique to me. I, I my, The best one was there was some General Tso's Shumai at the China Pavilion. So that was my top pick of everything that we tried. But a lot of the desserts were very purple. And I don't know, food coloring, uh, Disney kind of goes <laughs> a little bit overboard. Over Figment less Yes. <laughs> yes. Figment inspired desserts. I know. <laughs> I'm not sure that's meant to be eaten. But uh, we did have a good time at the festival just strolling. The lines were long. Of course, I was there on opening day. So that's something but they did move fast. That was one thing you look at a line and you think oh my gosh, I would never should never stand in this and then you would get through it in 10 or 12 minutes. So that was a relief to see things really operating pretty well even on opening day. So I think it'll be even better by the time you're there, Joe.
0: Yeah. And I think that I will probably, I I don't know, I'm debating what to do with the kids. There's obviously the scavenger hunt that is associated with the festival of the arts. Uh, We might do that, but then they've also reopened the, well, I was about to call it agent Peas, but now it's the DuckTales world showcase adventure. And so, you know, I think my kids are going to be really into those things. And so I am looking forward to just trying that and having them just, wander around and do some scavenging. I think when we go in February as a family, we'll be a little bit less ride-oriented than normal. I will try to go at the kids' pace, especially if they want to do these scavenger hunt type things, which is you know the fun part of the Festival of the Arts. You can get this scavenger hunt for the kids. They can do that while you as the parents are enjoying the food and what there is to offer. And I know there are art demonstrations and music demonstrations, so my kids' If we happen upon that, uh, they'll be really into that. So it'll be interesting to see what that's like. And, I mean, part of my plan for this Saturday is just to preview that a little bit um, for the kids. Obviously, when you're listening to this, I will already have gone. So um, I'll have already experienced this, but uh, you're listening to past Joe right now. All right. Well, that all sounds great. Um, Any final things that uh, stood out to you from your trip that we haven't covered yet?
1: I think we've covered it. I guess I should just close it out with a Disney do or don't. So I will. My Disney do, and this did stand out to me, is do get Remy's as your first choice lightning lane in Epcot, no matter what. It used to be, at least as far as I you know paid attention, that Remy's and Frozen would kind of be equally popular. But while we were there, we noticed Remy's was running out the entire time before most people would be eligible to make a second selection so if you want to ride that i think that has to be your top pick right now i don't know why that's sort of edging out frozen capacity wise or anything like that but it it is at this moment so pay attention but for for our trip we were glad we made that our first selection and I, i was able to rope drop frozen and then ultimately refresh and get a frozen lightning lane later in the day so that is maybe a little bit of an easier grab
0: great tip well, thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing your experience with us. It's great that you got to go back to Walt Disney World. Um, you will be going to Disneyland. Actually, by the time you all listen to this, <laughs> Leslie will have been at Disneyland. I will have been at Walt Disney World. Uh, patrons, you'll have heard some live trip reports from all of that. It's going to be Trip Report Central around these parts, uh, Disney Deciphered headquarters for the next month or so with maybe some more Genie Plus episodes thrown in there. Yeah, it sounds Great. I want to just say one more time that I feel like January is a really nice time to go. You know, that time between the holidays and President's Day outside of Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And really, it's just two or three days of that weekend. So if you're there for a longer week long trip, it doesn't really matter if you have that weekend. Being a part of it, it's just a really nice time to go. The weather is great. Yes, the parks close a little bit earlier, but the Festival of Arts is going on, which is my favorite Epcot festival, and it's just a really great time to go. So, if you are planning trips, um, I guess it would be for twenty twenty four at this point. Do be thinking about this time. Uh, it's a nice time to go. If you have any questions for us or anything you want to share with us, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this trip report. And other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you never eating a purple dessert again.
1: Thanks, Joe.